Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only College World Series podcast. (laughs) I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as usual, as uh, we do have another rider victory to talk about as they squeaked one out against the Calgary Stampeders in uh, what turned out to be an interesting football game. We'll put it that Uh way. It had some highly entertaining moments and uh, periods of nothingness. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it's the perfect game for like <laughs> watching while I was doing dishes. It was yeah. like, okay, nothing's really happening. Oh, 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 something's going on there. It was the perfect PVR game is is what it is. And before you continue, Joel, as I mm-hmm. get to interject, let's all take a brief moment here for our four listeners to congratulate you. Now that you and I are back on the mics together. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the birth of your daughter uh just huge moment i know uh greg filled in last week we were really pumped up for you but my first time to publicly say congratulations to you my friend i am so happy for you i'm so happy for jenny uh who proved she's way tougher than either of us could ever hope to be yeah there's no question i mean you can you can thank me and you can applaud me but the all the applause go to her um oh 100 without going into too much detail she went through hell and back uh during the delivery of this baby yeah. and uh so did all the staff um, all of the staff in Regina General Hospital, everyone in, uh, you know, delivery and labor in Mama Baby Ward in special nursery and NICU because we spend time in all of them. Uh, just the most incredible human beings that deserve far more support than they're yes. getting without getting too political at this moment in time. No, absolutely. We we will not get like that, but I did have to ask, how is the veggie falafel? I know me and Greg discussed the weird food options at the well, Robins. The, ve- at- the veggie food, the veggie falafel I got from uh, 13th Avenue Coffee House. I got that delivered in that night. Oh, okay. That was something okay. else. That was after numerous days of Robins, and um, there's some like fresh, freshy sort of knockoff kind of thing in there. Right. Which apparently is an actual chain that there's another one that exists in Regina somewhere that I had didn't know it did. And a couple others in Toronto, apparently. But anyway, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, the thing is that, like, I know um, as soon as you mentioned there was a Robins there, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, where where is Robins exist anymore? Um, I remember from my experience with the three kids was it, it, getting nothing but chili dogs. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Jenny <laughs> was quite appreciative of you getting some actual veggies in you compared to what I did to the poor bathrooms at the Royal University Hospital. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you destroying toilets is normal. Um... <laughs> it's, on, it's on brand now. It is on brand. Yeah, no, it was it was fine. It was it was good. Um, but yeah, I I don't I hadn't been to a Robin's in I don't even know how long. Um, there are still a few in Regina. I don't know what it's like up there in Saskatoon, and I honestly don't know what the selections like there. But at least the ones at the hospital, especially the one in the food court, has um. Some stuff you would not expect. Like I had like a Jamaican beef patty. Um, I had vegetable samosas a couple at one time. They were actually really good. They had some nice Can't spice go to them. Good samosa. And there were some like steam buns I wanted to try, but they were only in the food court. One of the time I was going to buy them was at the one at the front door. Was only the the only thing left in the building was in the twenty four hour front door, and they didn't have those. So I was like, ah, I didn't get to try those. But no, apparently, apparently there is a, a Robins in the Confederation Mall here in Saskatoon, mm-hmm. and a Robins Donuts slash Swadesh Donuts on Central Avenue. So I, yeah, I definitely cannot think. I do think I sold an Xbox in the parking lot of that place once, but didn't actually go in. <laughs> Probably the most legal transaction to go down in that parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Where it's located, you ain't wrong, gas. You ain't wrong. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Riders are now 2-1 and one on the season and could be 3-0 and, oh, and frankly had a pretty good game against Winnipeg as well the week before. So not really a whole lot of concern, I would say, at this point in Riderville. Uh, but we will talk about what we were, I guess we were calling the curious case of head coach Craig Dickinson. <laughs> I like um, it. It's catchy. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about Nick Marshall a little bit as well and uh, the sort of the overall grade of the team as uh, our boy Justin Dunk was on the green zone today on Tuesday. Uh, give it his thoughts on where the team is at so far in terms of grade. But it's sort of what has become, I guess, will become an annual tradition on this podcast. Yes. Uh, the College World Series just wrapped up on Monday evening. Um, sanity prevailed. The LSU Tigers uh, absolutely swamped uh, the Florida Gators in Game 3 after getting absolutely swamped in Game 2 and having won a squeaker in Game 1 uh, the other day as well. Um Sanity prevailed because, as you may or may not know, at the College World Series every year, there's a bar called Rocco's, and they do the Jello Shot Challenge, where mm-hmm. all the teams, you basically, you buy shots, and you say which team you are there with, and the running tally goes throughout the course of the week in terms of how many shots are sold, and um, now for the third straight year, uh, the record number of shots purchased has fallen, and the team that has done that has gone on to win the World Series. It was Mississippi State a couple years ago, Ole Miss last year, and then LSU this year. The interesting fun fact is not only did LSU set the record this year, uh, they absolutely obliterated. I believe they like tripled it or something stupid. I don't remember what Ole Miss's record was last year. It was in the 20s, 20,000 to be precise somewhere That's right, there. 20,000 jello shots over the weekend. That is the No, it was World like over the course of the entire week and a bit. From, oh, like, okay. game oh, right, one right, of the right. tournament all the way through this thing Sorry, goes. Sorry, yes, right? I keep forgetting yeah. because it's always in the same place every year. The College World yeah. Series is a week-long thing. Yes. Yeah, it's like a tournament. Um, mm-hmm. um, so then this year, uh, some guy that owns a chicken chain that I had never heard of before, apparently quite popular in the South, but it, it didn't make shutdown full cast lore, so it can't actually be that good, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's not cooked out. <laughs> no. Um, the guy who founded that bought, like, 6,000 shots in one day, which is also, like, a record for this event. Incredible. In terms of like a single purchase. Uh, at the end of the day, LSU finished with 68,888 shots, which is just insane. But also leaves me wondering, where was that other, where was that guy that dropped, you know, 6,000 worth? Couldn't he have bought up the least another 112 to get to 69? Like, 
That feels nice. like a missed opportunity, right? Huge <laughs> missed opportunity. Right? Like, you got that much money, you make the record 6900 and away we go. I also love yeah. that. That 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 all all of our talking about uh, fast food and American stuff and me mm. bringing up cookout. Um, I am now once again, as I often do on this podcast, looking at the cookout menu <laughs> and debating <laughs> opening one here. Absolutely. Uh, so, but, yes, like cheese L- bites. Yeah, yeah, cheese bites, cheese bites. Uh, so yeah, LSU, uh, big winners of the College World Series, but it got us thinking. This CFL needs something along this line because 100%. in the college baseball community, which is not large by college sports standards, no. um, out of sort of, you know, if you think of the big four sports on this continent, you know, baseball, football, hockey, and basketball, college baseball in terms of its college equivalent to the pro equivalent is probably at the bottom of the scale. Right. Even I would say in certain areas, especially college hockey is definitely has its spots where it's quite big. Yes. And, but this event every year kind of catches on a little bit. And the Jello shot board definitely, I think, gets people talking about the event, which is fine. And it's just sort of a fun little thing that happens at the event every year. And well, so and you, get, you get guys that mm-hmm. don't normally that wouldn't normally talk about it. Like you mentioned, one one of our favorite podcasts, Shut Down Full Cast. And mm-hmm. one of our favorite accounts that, again, like the biggest feather in my cap in my life <laughs> is that the Sickos Committee follows me on yeah. social media. Um you get guys like that talking about it, which draws your eyes to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're right. The CFL needs to come up with something. Yeah. And I, I don't think the league itself can necessarily do this itself, but someone needs to sort of figure out the equivalent here. I know it's not quite as simple as because obviously the great cop isn't in the same city every year and there isn't a fun bar in every city that is the same bar in every city. Right. So the question is, how do you make it work? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just an idea guy. I don't. I don't close. Um, right, right. But see me. Ha ha ha! You want some closing skills? You yeah. want to see some wiggle room? Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Um, this does remind me though. Last time I was at the Grey Cup in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and as I've gotten older, and you and I have discussed this, that the parties that you pay the big entry fee and have to drink a bunch of shitty Molson product, and you don't really have a choice, are pretty meh, right? For the large part. But I remember Grey Cup 2011. There was this elephant in Castle right on Burrard Street, down the street from where Travis and I were staying. And he made it the Blue and Gold House. And it was it kind of like – it was like this top-secret club you found out through whispers talking to other fans. And if you were a Winnipeg fan, there was no cover. Every other team was 5 bucks. The riders were 10 bucks. And I just think of some bars just doing some offshoot of that – you know, close to downtown, doing something fun. Like, it was actually really cool. There was blue and gold decorations there. I know the Bombers cheer team came by selling their calendars. Uh, there was nothing about Winnipeg music, so there was a lot of my distant cousin, Burton Cummings, uh, a lot of the Watchmen. It was just, it was a really cool vibe, and I haven't seen or heard anything uh, like that around any kind of Grey Cup. So somebody, this is a glorious opportunity mm-hmm. to take this ball and run with it at the next Grey Cup in Hamilton and subsequently, you know, the next one in Saskatchewan and just be like, hey, you know what? We're going to be the Jello Shop Bar and we're going to and start it like two weeks before everybody gets there and get the riders, get a big head start. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like when you go down to a rider game, and you stop at Aylesbury and mm-hmm. it's this tiny little hole in the wall. But next thing you know, you're there destroying that toilet because you've been holding in a poop the entire way from from Saskatoon. Yeah, so, I mean, this is basically, like, you take the idea of CFL fans fight cancer, but instead of doing, you know, raising money for good, it's uh, 
fun sort of tra- event that is more debaucherous throughout the entire thing. I thought you were going to say raising money for evil. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, unless we're doing it at Minhas, then maybe. But... Oh, uh. no! <laughs> I swear, that guy must have a burner account in the Let's Talk CFL groups, because I don't even like the Minhas Brewing mm-hmm. Brewery. But their ads always come up, and mm. like I think I, I think I finally hit. I don't want to see this enough on all my social accounts whenever they showed up that it stopped. It took see, a while. I, it took I'm a like, while, and they have I'm so like, many different offshoots. Like every single brand, every single style, everything has to have its own account for some reason. So like block, 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 block. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, as an enjoyer of the terrible, mm. um, I like seeing. Like, the terrible ideas they come up with for booze and the fact that, like, obviously the guy that runs it, who's the post himself in his rider jersey all the time, got a cease and desist from the riders because now his jersey is covered up in Minha's logos. And, like, his, like, quintessential boomer posting about the riders wins, like, that is my new favorite. Like, great game, riders! Nick Marshall, you're the best thing that's ever happened to the football team! Wow, interception by number three, Nick Marshall. Because, you know, people talk like that when they talk about sports. All the time. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that our podcast? Isn't that, <laughs> that how we do it? I mean, I mean, we never say, like, number seven, <laughs> Trevor Harris. It's one of the few things we don't, we don't maybe do. Maybe we I should. Mean. Maybe we should start doing that. But then you I have to what? remember what number players are, and that's hard enough sometimes. That's actually very good. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, like, it changes over the years, right? Like, I remember... When I was 16 or something, or I was a teenager when I was a kid, I could name like just about every single player in the NHL and what number they wore. Yes. Now in any sport, even the ones I watch closely, I couldn't tell you who's what anymore. <laughs> I still see number seven <laughs> on the riders and go, I thought we got rid of Pajardo. I uh, I thought you were going to say, well, I thought Weston Dressler retired. <laughs> <laughs> No, because then I see Harris make an accurate pass mm. and go, oh, yeah, we did get rid of Fajardo. That's uh, the league's leading passer right now, Trevor Harris. Yeah. If the okay. stats are to be believed. Oh, God, don't get me started on that. It's not the a fact failure. That it's not a failure. It's not a failure, apparently. No, but the fact that my broadcast partner for the Rush games, Cody Jansen, can find second-tier summer lacrosse stats for the Rush's presumptive starting goalie, and I can't find who the sack leader is in the CFL until literally today? Oh, I just hate it, though. I can't, like, now, like, they're publishing the reports. Here, let's see, let's see. Did they finally grant me access to CFL Connect? Nope, still waiting. That's four weeks. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll have to send a message to Lucas on that one. Um, <laughs> get, get 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 dunk to send it because I'm yeah. sure he saw three down nation and went. There's no way this guy's associated with those guys. He's not classy enough. <laughs> yeah, so um, the riders are in sort of I would say almost a class of their own right now in the league. Not at the top, kind of just nicely snug in the middle where we're where we kind of expected them to be. So we're going to talk about that win over the Calgary Stampeders. Um, and to sort of look at where they're at overall right now, but as usual, John, uh, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company this week, I heard the snap earlier. What is in the glass this week? If I told you I bought four tall boys of locally made beer for $9, what would you think I was drinking, Joel Gasson? Am I pretending you didn't send me a picture of it earlier? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, that brewery we were talking about earlier. <laughs> no! flukiest thing ever. I go to refill my vodka supplies at the co-op liquor store on 8th Street. 
uh, walk into the beer cooler because I'm like, well, I'm podcasting tonight. That's as good of an excuse as any to go ahead and buy some delicious tasting local beer. Uh, and holy shit, Blackbridge Wheat First, nine dollars eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Plus taxes and deposit fees yeah. for four cans. So um, me enjoying the taste of wheat burst and being a cheap Scotsman. It's what we went with. Fair it's enough. real good. I mean, it's it, it's a great summer beer. It's hoppy. It's unfiltered. It's everything you want. I also saw the New England IPA was on sale as well. Mm. But I can't think the last time I paid like less than $12 for like good crap. And it's like this was even... Yeah, this was packaged. God, the, it, everything's kind of blending together. <laughs> I think I want to say May. So it's not like it's stale. No, nope. it's not like this is some stuff they found in the back that's been sitting there. Like it's crisp, it's hoppy, it's delicious. So if you like big hop blasts in your face, uh, go right ahead. And of course, I had to stock up while I was there. Unlucky bastard vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I haven't been to a liquor store in a couple weeks, but uh, I had some. Uh... I bought a 12-pack last time. I bought some beer of uh, Rebellion Beer, the beer that tastes like beer because uh, it's been on sale all month, and I figured, eh, it's a good beer just to have around the house just in case uh, I need some beer in the fridge. <laughs> it's true, or or it's the guest beer because you know having the baby. Now that you're at home with baby, you're going to start getting the texts about people coming over to meet the baby. Hmm. And then it's always awkward because people, like, people don't come to meet the baby at, like, a normal social hangout time they'll come at like two in the afternoon and you're like do i offer you a beer i mean like i get it you have like a two thousand dollar coffee machine so you have that <laughs> option but it's like do i start day drinking now how long are you gonna stay here are we gonna have three beers as you meet my baby what is going on so you're about to walk walk yourself mm-hmm. into that so beer is a good one to keep on hand for that sure enough the Riders are now 2-1 and one on the season thanks to their 29-26 win over the Calgary Stampeders over the weekend uh, in a game that can be described as boring chaos, I suppose. <laughs> as uh, we had, we have to acknowledge the moments of chaos and hilarity that happened in that game as to, you know, sort of the moments as to why we love football. Yes. Because... Um, as much as we all enjoy watching, you know, well-executed football, be it offensive or defensive, nothing still quite hits us, like, just some really dumb shit happening. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's, That's... <laughs> probably why you're listening to us. You're not listening to us for accurate football takes. No, God, You're no. listening to us because we are here for, uh, we are here for the embracing the dumb. Yeah, uh, especially in the first quarter of that game, because there was periods of nothingness followed by just pure hilarity. Um, of course, started with a really good fumble Ruski that we hadn't seen in a while in the league. CFL used to be, I think, kind of notorious for a bunch of fumble Ruskies. Yes. Um, so, of course, the Riders fumbled it. Then the Stamps, instead of just trying to jump on it, tried to scoop it. And they actually jumped it forward when the Riders then jumped on it for a first down, which is just outstanding. Uh, we had the whole... So they went on to score a touchdown on that drive, and then I believe it was a touchdown anyway. They scored either way. And then on the ensuing kickoff, um, the Stamps stumbled, fumbled it, and uh, Henderson punched it out, but landed out of bounds. Though, if you look at the replay, it did definitely look like his foot was in bounds first before he punched it out. But anyway, that was a whole thing. Um that just kind of added to the chaos. Uh, we had the what we called in the three-down chat the kick pick, where Larry <laughs> Dean got the pick off the the ball that was kicked in the air, and yeah, there was just and, 
And of course, whoever is running the three down social that mm-hmm. night, uh, they've linked them right into your article on three down nation. Yeah, no, um, I, I put I put those in myself in the article. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I thought I thought like somebody else does that. No, no. I I know how to do that. So usually I do that if there's something I want to add in there for sure. Well, oh I, yeah. I, then I, then there was yeah there was the interception, um, from Milligan, and then he like had the dribble along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> but uh, but I like some of the cap like football. Yeah. Or football, mm-hmm. and of course, I, cue I the believe, Benny Hill theme music. Yeah, there's a variety of people that do that throughout week. Some days it's John, some days it's JC. I think Josh does it sometimes as well too. I think those the ones that week had had JC vibes written on them. I think. So. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say they did not have terrible pandemic hat vibes. They had more jc vibes and they weren't wrestling enough to be josh (laughs) josh would have we know josh would have worked in a my god that's christian Ronaldo's music mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement whether mom's into classic dress watches rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers movement has something she'll love And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, so there was a lot of fun in that game. Uh, There were definitely some moments where not a lot happened. But in the end, it turned out to be a relatively entertaining football game. Uh, Double overtime, you can never really complain about that. And if you're a Ryder fan, of course, you can't complain about the fact that they won. Though it probably shouldn't have gone to overtime, if we're being completely honest here. If Nick Marshall does his job. Yeah, I mean, he got... I mean, he was... Nick Marshall was being himself. We'll start here, I guess. Yes, okay. Because we will start here that he is... There's been some conversation about Nick Marshall, as there always is, because this should surprise no one at this point. Nick Marshall is very boom and bust. We've talked about yes. it on this program. And I used to think of it, it used to kind of annoy me, but now I kind of embrace it, where I'm like, you know what? You understand that a few times a year, this guy's going to try to undercut a ball, and he's going to get beat bad. Yep. It happens all the time, but you know at the other end, he's going to make up for it. We just don't generally always see it in the same game. Or within the same about 15 minutes, of course, getting burned on the last touchdown there by Calgary and then coming up with a highlight real play that makes some other uh, some other employees of state media say that he might be the greatest football player of all time. It's a good pick. Love coming up big. I love that he redeems himself. And it it Uh seems like like you said, Joel, we know what he is now. He has the talent. He's going to get burned. But he's the kind of guy that you're going to leave out there. You're not going to staple his ass to the bench when he gets burned because – you're right. There's just as good of a chance of Nick Marshall getting shown up than there is Nick Marshall coming down with a game-winning interception in clutch time. Yeah, like I've said before, and I think many have said before, there is rarely a dull moment when the ball is thrown towards Nick Marshall. I, I, would, I, I want. <laughs> that's true. I want to say it was 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 it Greg? I think it was Greg, or one of the other boys from Piffles that pointed out that fucking Nick Marshall 
is such a universal statement during a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the perfect example of that. Couple plays. Yeah, fucking Nick Marshall. Couple plays. Fucking Nick Marshall! Yeah, and I think I think that's part of the reason why he's still here. Is you can... You like the aggression. I think if yes. you had an entire secondary of him, that would be a little problematic. But if you have one guy that you know that's how he is, you can kind of work around that a little bit. And you live to understand that there are times where, yes, the guy is going to get beat, but you know that he has the capability and the ability to bring it back. And it was interesting post-game, and Brennan McGuire wrote the piece on 3Down about how you know Nick Marshall, his quarterback, passed maybe helps him in his, this spot because he can actually, he knows the routes the receivers are generally using and he knows how to track the football. Right. I, I, I still do miss the day that he used to come under center for the short yardage stuff. Because that yeah. just seemed like it had like chaotic play written all over it. Like some sort of pass coming out of nowhere. Well, now but... they can put him under center and keep Shea Patterson on the field and really keep them guessing. <laughs> oh. They oh. <laughs> haven't really done see... anything with that, have they? With the two quarterbacks allowed on the field thing? Uh, not that I can recall. I mean, let's face it, they had a quarterback last year whose knee was basically hope and duct tape. And no, but quarterback... I mean across the league. I haven't. There may have been like a play someone did once, but I don't remember um, much of like, Winnipeg's, anyone. Winnipeg's done it with Prukop and Kolaris. Okay. In limited, limited action. Like yeah, if you throw Kolaros out to Zed in that spot, I'm not too worried about him. <laughs> no, no. and But there has been, there's been a spot, a time or two where Prukop's been out at Zed. Okay, yeah. Like, just, it's it's like he comes in for the short yardage, then Kolaris comes in, and they just leave him out there just to keep guys a little off balance, right? So I have seen that a couple times. I haven't seen uh, a lot of sets with it. And we all know that Chris Jones has probably done it, because, you know, why well, I mean, not? He's, he doesn't know who his quarterback is, so I mean... <laughs> Well, he did. He let, he released him this week for being sad. Well, we know it's not your boy, that's for sure. So, it is not my boy. Oh, can we can we take a minute to discuss how the Fraser curse Oof. this year Oof. is unbelievably powerful? It is. Yeah, it's it's been cranked up to eleven. Like like I pick BC to fall in the mm. West Division. What have they done? They just beat the shit out of my favorite team, who's been to the last three Grey Cup games, winning two of them, uh, and have only given up 21 points through three games playing some decent competition. Meanwhile, Taylor Cornelius, my boy, who I said, yeah, and even and even Arash Madani got in on this saying, oh, here's a sneaky MOP pick, is probably going to be selling insurance in his hometown by next week. Like, holy shit, the Fraser <laughs> Yeah, it is real this year. Yeah, and in a like you actually legitimately believe these kind of way, not a, oh I'm saying this, not you're not doing the reverse thing. Like this is those were legit thoughts, like and, yeah. and legit researched thoughts. I mm. think maybe that's the problem is when I actually put my brain to it, and, like mm. look at things. If I just talk out of my ass like I do for ninety five percent of the time, it doesn't seem to affect quite as badly. But when I'm like, okay, season preview, I need to prepare. I need to come up with some hot takes that hopefully aren't as bad as Johnny Manziel. But yeah. Oh boy, I'm basically Thanos right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people are uh, wondering about uh, what Craig Dickinson's been thinking about lately. Oh boy, you and I specifically. Yeah, um, this is sort of like, I guess you can say the main topic of this episode as we're finally 25 minutes in. Um, <laughs> That's on brand. <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, Craig Dickinson is, of course, the head coach of the Riders, and there's been a lot of conversation in the last few days about 
some of the decisions he's made, and this has sort of been an ongoing thing throughout his tenure as the team's head coach, um, which makes it very perplexing. Not in a I-don't-know-what-he-wants-to-do kind of way. Like, I generally follow along with what Craig is thinking. I don't necessarily always agree with it, but I follow along generally with what he's thinking in his decisions. I just don't know if I like it or not. And, like, I legitimately mean that. Like, I'm not saying that to be like, "Eh." like, I honestly, there are times where his decisions, I'm like, yes, this is incredible. This is what we should, this is what teams should be doing. This is where the sport of football should be going. And there's other times where I'm just like, goodness gracious. Well, and, and, and the, the two prime examples in that game, and yeah. you and I texted each other almost instantly when he went for it on third and one for the win. Yes, 100%. And then doubles down post game to say, even if that's third and two, I'm going. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that the, take the struggles of Brett Lowther aside. Yeah. You get a first down there. You you trust your offense to get you one yard, you win that football game. Yep. Yeah. Oh, like uh, 120% of the time, I am going for that no matter where I am on the field. Just because of it, yeah, there's a buck 30 left in the game. Pick up the first down, it's over. Um, you we can question the play call, yeah, and and even then, on you know, it's kind of a long one, it wasn't a you know, it wasn't a straight one yard, it was a little bit longer than a yard, yeah. Even then, you still generally should pick that up, but I mean, you think about the drive Jamal Morrow had on there, there's a couple times he was stopped in the backfield and powered his way through to pick up a first down. Which, which he's done now in both yeah. their wins. So the guy was clearly not going to be stopped on that drive. Why he didn't get the football in that play, I don't know. Coaches overthink things sometimes. It always happens. Yeah. But, well, the, it... but the process, as we've talked about, as I've talked about ad nauseum on this program, probably to everyone's dismay, is <laughs> process over results. They didn't get the outcome they wanted on that, but that was 100% the time to go for it to win the football game. No yes. questions asked. Yeah. Well, especially in the CFL where you get the yard. You know, in theory, you should be able to just get some good blocks and fall over and get it. And like you said, it was a little bit more than yeah. a yard. But how about Jamal Morrow? You brought it up. Mm-hmm. I, uh, You and I were both big fans of that. Maybe not so big big fans of the play call. Like, yeah. I thought just basically run what you've ran the past couple plays with Jamal Morrow. Maybe put him in a single back formation instead of going out of the gun. You just get him a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. But Jamal Morrow now in both the wins. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a huge he didn't have a huge game of the season opener against Edmonton, nope. but I don't know like if he's just like in in crazy shape or the fact that they're only running him twenty ish times a game. But man, he's like a clo- he's like a baseball closer right now. Mm-hmm. Like, but they definitely comes- have that going for sure. Oh man, like in the two wins with the with the lead, you're giving that ball to Jamal Morrow. He's looking like Billy Koch in the old like nineties Blue Jays, like just unhittable. He just he gets out there, he closes the game, he does his job, and I'd I'd be interested to see if this is a fitness thing or maybe it's just it's still early in the season, but he almost looks like that change of pace back when he's out there at the end of a game because he looks he looks so fresh to just close these things out. I was I was really impressed with Jamal Morrow, especially at the end of that game. Yeah, and I know there's always a lot of discussion in football, especially modern football, about still having to establish the run. I mean, Jamal Morrow had a great game overall, but in the CFL, it's more so when you can run the football versus actually mm-hmm. running the football. Uh, we saw that in week one, and uh, we saw that a little bit at the end of that game too. Um, the decision I did have a little bit of a problem with from Craig Dickinson, and it wasn't as catastrophic as if he kicked a field goal there in the final offensive play, right. in my opinion, um, was when they scored the touchdown to go up 10. And yeah. he went for two. 
Okay, like, I, I understand the process. He says he has the chart in that scenario to go for two, and I understand that makes it a two-touchdown game. Um, essentially, I mean, there's some other weird math you can get there, but, norm, you know, generally speaking, it's a two-touchdown game. Right. And, of course, if they get it, it's all forgiven, everything's fine. Um, I just didn't think the, you know, the risk of not getting it was not worth giving up an 11-point lead. Yes, because 11... 11 is generally you're probably looking you're looking at either a two touchdown or a three possession game at that point anyway along as as well as a 12 and as we saw and we you know obviously the best the you know the missed PAT from Brett Lauder though that was made up for with what I believe looked like an intentional rouge later in the game and the missed field goal all that aside that one point probably would have kept them from going to overtime well, certainly. Um, and I don't, I get it. You have your charts. These guys have done the analytics. These yeah. guys are typically far more well-versed at football and than he we said, are. He said, and in fairness to, to Craig, he said his the chart and his gut lined up. So he didn't re- just take the chart at nauseam and look at it and say, okay, I've 10 this spot, go to. He actually looked at the chart. He said, it says to do this. He thought about it and said, I agree. And then went. Well, I like, I like having confidence in your yeah. team, but, but, but again, that's that's a three score game yeah. typically, and, and and whether that's that other scores a rouge, like you're still you're forcing somebody to come down the field and do things that are difficult. You know, getting their own two point conversion if they wanted to against or, against a team too that is not very good at scoring fast. Yeah, exactly. Like Calgary's very much you know slog it out, grind it out, long drives, and that's how they score. Right. So I. That is the Jekyll and Hyde a little bit of Craig Dickinson. Uh, I'm with you. I didn't like that call either. I think you go up 11 and you you make them do something, yeah. right? You're either making them take a two-point conversion if they score a touchdown. You're making them try to kick just the piss missile through the, through the end zone. You're making them try to score three times, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and not everybody's got a Sergio Castillo that can just get angry that he missed something and just kick it into the end zone and get the point back anyways, right? So Yeah, and like, uh, Rene Paredes is a great kicker, but it, distance has not always generally been his thing. So. No, he's he's accurate. He's accurate as all get out, but uh, yeah, he is not, he's not the big-legged uh, distance guy, but no. again, more, speaking of kicking, more Brett Lowther struggles. Yeah. A little kick, worrisome. A little worrisome. Kickers just have weird years sometimes, so... I mean, we'll see. It's not the biggest question facing this team right now, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Well, well, well no, no, too. And I think I, I think when your kicker struggles, and I mean, Craig Dickinson will never say it, but you know, does that have uh, mm-hmm. that has to have creeped into his thinking? That was initially my thought as to why you went for two. Yeah, right. You know, your guy just missed one, and you're a little worried that he's a little shaken up. I mean, again, as as a guy that watches every Winnipeg Blue Bombers game, I can tell you there was a lot of times last year where Mike O'Shea would go for two when Legio just didn't have it. So that starts to creep in a little bit, and maybe that was it. And and kudos to Craig for not maybe throwing his kicker under the bus. But, uh, yeah, it is it is funny how he'll go from doing something like the whole smoke and mirrors with Trevor Harris against Winnipeg that just makes me roll my eyes at him to going for it on third and one for the win and then doubling down on that decision. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely like, he's, he's, he's one of a kind with sort of his approach to those kinds of moments. Like I think overall, he's a pretty good head coach. In terms of his game management, I'm still, however many years into this we are, how many seasons at least into this we are, of him being the head coach of this team. 
22. I guess this is his fourth year now. And if you're on your fourth year and it's still kind of hard to get a read on what you think of a guy in a certain aspect, it's it's kind of weird. And that's that's basically where I sit with it because I know some of his quirks and I know there's always questions asked, you know, when he doesn't take a timeout late in the first half sometimes. Like, well, rightly or wrongly, the guy just does not like to take timeouts or do challenges in the first half at all, Ever. if if unless absolutely necessary. Because he wants to hang on to both timeouts for the second half, which... I can respect. I, I don't always necessarily agree, but it, it, hey, it's its approach. And I can, what you can always say is generally speaking, rightly or wrongly, whether you agree or not, you can kind of see his thought process. I just don't know if I like his thought process. And I don't know if I hate it either. Like it's just, right. it's just, it's just so, it's so one or the other, it seems with almost every decision. Yeah, he's he's so polarizing on some of the things he does. Like, 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 again, these, these two examples are perfect Example of the Craig Dickinson era where, yeah, go for it third on one, double down, let's go. This is what more football coaches should be doing. And 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 just like never taking a knee, never conceding the safety, never doing that. That's You should never do it. The numbers say you should never do it. The numbers say you should always go for it in third and one. And then not scoring to make it an 11-point game and doing other assorted weird things with his timeouts and stuff. It's just it's, – it's, it's a roller coaster, but – he is who we thought he was, mm-hmm. and he kind of sticks to his guns. And it seems like Greg and I talked about this last week. Seems like he's gotten some media training to maybe not throw his players under the bus. But uh, I don't know. I like it because it gives us something to talk about. And g- generally, it's it's entertaining, mm-hmm. and and his decisions are rarely the conservative ones. And I think I, I can't is, I can't fault him for that. No, no, and football in the CFL, especially right now. Needs more coaches to think like that because, oh boy, some of these games have been a slog this year. Yeah, and the the other thing I will add to the third and one, um, no matter what anyone else may think of it, the players will love the fact that they that he believed in them and rolled the dice and went for it to oh, win the game in that moment. Yeah, I, again, neither of us neither of us can say that we played the game at anything pl- past a flag football level, but. You talk to any player about a moment like that, they're going to say that is exactly mm-hmm. what they want. They want the faith in them. You know, offense, defense, everybody wants that faith in them from their head coach to go out there and perform. Absolutely. So the bigger question now is three games into the season, the Riders are on a bye week. Um, appearing on the green zone here uh, in Saskatchewan on CJME and CKOM, as Justin Dunk often does as sort of their CFL insider. I guess he was asked about, you know, what grade would he give the team at this point? Yes. And he said like a B B plus and uh, yeah, I think that's about fair. I, I think it. I th- I would lean more towards a B because I think not through any fault of their own, just because of the um, just the pure amount of upheaval there's been on that side of the ball and continued upheaval with some injuries now along the offensive line um, and the receiver core a little bit. The offense is still very much a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You see flashes of it. You see sort of where it's coming together. But you know there is still a ways to go. I think they'll be okay there, generally speaking. Um, the defense has been pretty good. Not They haven't quite matched that week one, but I think a lot of that may be Edmonton in retrospect. Right. <laughs> um, but overall, I think, yeah, at this point of the year, a B's kind of a solid grade, and I don't know if there's a lot of B's in the CFL right now. Like, you have Winnipeg and BC at the top. Um, you have Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa clearly in the bottom. Uh, Montreal, I'm still not there yet. We've seen, you know, we've seen Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo have a good start before. We'll see well, where they get. Against, especially against crappy teams. Yeah, we'll see what, I'll believe in them when, uh, 
I'm not saying they can't get there, but we'll see where that goes. And Calgary story, I just they they're too banged up on offense right now, and I don't think they have the depth to begin with. That I, ooh, I'm not sure. Maybe in like a C level right now, just because yeah. we'll give their defense the credit to keep them in games. So, are the Riders kind of clearly in a pack by themselves right now? Maybe they're kind of the only question mark. Yeah, I I, I think we know we now know who BC is. Yeah, we know who we knew who Winnipeg was going to be. You and I. We're higher on Saskatchewan than a lot of people. True. Yep. Right. So the the gas and bumps somehow cancels out the Fraser curse when used directly or simultaneously. Right. So, um, I think if you would have told me that Saskatchewan would be two and one after the first three games, I'd call that a success. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I like again. So I guess a success, a little bit better than expected. That puts them in a B. Obviously, an A would be three and zero, oh, including a win over Winnipeg. But mm-hmm. I think. A lot of people expected worse, mm-hmm. and maybe a lot of people, me included, expected Edmonton to be a lot better. But I, I still think Calgary's a challenge. I still think they have some good pieces there. Oh, Edmonton's they'll, they'll look- fight, and they'll be a, they'll be tough to the end just because of who they are. Right. I just don't think they'll ultimately have the pieces to get over the top in there. Well, no, and realistically, they played Winnipeg really well, and then you get a punt return touchdown that kind of turns things mm-hmm. around on that one. So they're they're, they're uh, at the point where. Their defense is still very good. They'll hang around in football games. But if they don't figure out anything on offense over the course of 18 games, we've seen it. That's just that's just going to wear down. You know, I would put them in Toronto in almost the same category. I think Toronto's good. I think Toronto's good. I, I think Toronto is good. Uh, I, I do agree. And I think Saskatchewan's good. I just don't know how good for either team. Hmm. Right? BC and Winnipeg are good. Montreal beat somebody that's not Ottawa or Hamilton. I think they've got a big test against Winnipeg here. If they show well against Winnipeg, I'll believe a little bit more in Montreal. But Mm -hmm. to me, you know, Toronto, same thing. Like Toronto's played Edmonton. They've played Hamilton that's looking not like a great team. I think those are the two teams right now that, that to me in the CFL are, they're good, but how good are you? And that's going to be really proven over the next couple of weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.